Hawks Insiders, home of quality analysis, special features, match recaps, interviews, and so much more. Follow us on Substack for extended coverage of all things brown and gold. Hi everyone, Ashley Brown here, Hawks Insiders, Sunday night match recap podcast. We are a few hours removed from, well, it was for, considering it was a 27-point loss, it was actually one of the more entertaining 27-point losses. Loads to discuss and a complete contrast than the last time Hawthorne played Melbourne, so we might reflect on that as well. Um, I'm joined by Andrew Weiss, back in the saddle. Hello, Weissie. Good evening, Ash. Good to be back on board. And yeah, I think uh, we were kind of expecting this sort of loss after a few good weeks. We were competitive and there was plenty to see that we liked. So as opposed to early stages of the year, I think uh, shows how much we've come and, and yeah, quite a few good things to unpack. And Danny Prince, hello. Ash, good to join you again. And yeah, I mean, a couple of, couple of wins in a row and then falling just short of the line, but um, lots to be uh, excited about, I think, out of today's game. So I'm sure we'll discuss all of those things. I don't want to steal any thunder, but it's uh, it's good to have Weesey back on board. It is good to have the great man here. Um, he's been all over the country, like the Leyland brothers of late, but uh, and I think we've lost him again next weekend. So this is his farewell for the match recap pods at least for the men's season who knows what happens once the women's competition comes around okay so it was melbourne 39.87 hawthorne 9660 in front of 50,000 fans at the mcg on a beautiful afternoon for football and we've been blessed with some great weather the footy this year we've had very very few wet weather days it's uh don't worry that's uh, el nino or global warming or what we put it down to but it was a very pleasant afternoon at the G today, um, the Hawks um, led uh, in bits and bit led in stages. Led for a lot of the first quarter. Um, had Melbourne worried at stages? We'll talk a bit about that as well. Um, in terms of uh, stats, Hawthorne actually won the disposals three seventy three to three forty five. Uh, had twenty nine more handballs. Was one twenty to one forty nine. Hawthorne's way inside fifty is fairly telling. Melbourne sixty one. Hawthorne thirty nine. That became a trend increasingly from the second quarter. And there was a period in the, I think it was the third quarter where the ball basically sat in Melbourne's uh, 450 scene for like 10 minutes or so. And the Hawks couldn't get it out, but didn't, I think they only conceded one goal in that time. So the defense stood up all things considered pretty well. Disposal efficiency was 75% each. Hawthorne 44% uh, inside 50 efficiency compared to Melbourne's 48. Free kick 16, 17. Funny sort of game from an umpiring point of view. Interesting stat here, Hawks on the hitouts, 34-26 against Max Gorn, which is uh, unheard of, basically, for the last five years. Clearances, 35-26 Hawthorne. Centre clearances, 13-11 Hawthorne. Stoppage clearances, 22-15 Hawthorne. Contested possessions, 124-116 Hawthorne. Um, turnover, 69-63 Hawthorne. Uh, marks inside 50-14-10 to Melbourne. Contested marks 14 to 9 to Melbourne. Intercept marks 69 63 to Melbourne. Um, yeah, Melbourne led for 68 minutes. Hawthorne led for 35. Tackles 55 42 Melbourne. Tackles inside Ford 59 7 to Melbourne. That is probably the key stats coming up. Just a couple of quick observations for me, for you, or one quick one before we get into the players. 
Uh, I would say that um, this was clearly one of the most inexperienced sides we've fielded all year and losing Chad Wingard to the Achilles, Mitch Lewis to the ankle, and then John Newcomb out with a bit of hammy tightness. Um, you know, it really had a fresh and um, and youthful look about the side with Ramsden and Hustwade and, um, you know, all those sorts of guys coming in. And um, I thought they competed far better than they probably had a right to. Um, and all of those guys that came in, those younger players, all showed glimpses of potential. So I thought overall my my takeaway from this game is one of positivity. Um, I think that, you know, we continue to build this stable of depth of players, whether it's, you know, uh, long coming in or um, some real glimpses from Granger Barass. Um, yeah, I think, I think it was a really positive thing. I, I will say that, you know, we had some, good players. I didn't think there was some like really standout performances. Um, there was some, some very good players, but nobody really grabbed the game by the scruff of the neck. Um, but you know, there were glimpses from everybody, which was a, I guess, you know, trade off from that. So yeah, that's my takeaway. What do you think? Um, my biggest takeaway would be, uh, what was it? 12 months ago and all through last season, I reckon every single week we were doing the goods and the bads in Brad's bad. We'd be talking about the midfield. Um, and obviously we know about the Jager and Tom stuff, but today we didn't have Newcomb. Will Day sat out the last quarter, basically the whole quarter injured um, and played a lot before that in um, and across the back line. You know, they're our two best mids, arguably. You add, um, you know, we've had issues throughout the year as to is it Reeves, is it Meek, and and Reeves' last few weeks have been magnificent to to solely put him in that frame as like he's the guy for us to do what we did against Melbourne's midfield with this group. That's my big takeaway to come out of this game. You mentioned the hitouts before Ash, but also center clearances. Um, and contested ball winning, like it's just outstanding. So the midfield's my big, um, well, my main observation from the day. Number one for the Hawks is Harry Morrison. He had 19 disposals, 15 of four, nine marks, four tackles. He had, when at 68% disposal efficiency, three contested possessions, two turnovers, two intercept possessions, one goal assist, four score involvements. Uh, 235 metres gained. Um, we see. Yeah, interesting. I think he's pieced together a good few weeks of footy and it certainly wasn't uh, an outstanding game. There are a couple of moments where um, he did some traditional Harry Morrison things and you just cringed a little, but he equally, you know, he, he did work hard to get back into contests that he had lost. Um, and, you know, I think that was, that was a tick, certainly not his best game again compared to the last few weeks, but not in our worst few players. And um, I think he's, he's been more than a handy player since he's come back into the lineup. So um, I gave him a six out of 10 today. I thought he did okay. Number four is Jarman Impey, Danny. So he had 23 disposals, 13 and 10, three marks, 
70% disposal efficiency, four contested possessions. He had four, three turnovers, four intercept possessions, five score involvements, 161 metres gained. Uh, that seems to be the main numbers. for One inside 50, one rebound 50. Um, what do you think? It was a, a so-so game for Jars today. I think he started the um, the game really well. I think he had 16 to half time and uh, a little bit like the rest of the Hawks kind of faded after half time when we were a bit deprived of the football. Um, normally, his metres gained is up a substantial amount on 161. So we weren't getting that same run and carry and long penetrating kicking from him today. Um it was, yeah, it was just a game. I, I I didn't feel like he used the ball particularly well, but he wasn't alone there either. Um, you know, especially in the second half, I found that most of our players, when they got it, were just kicking it. And Melbourne's defensive structure was so strong uh, and so sound. They read the ball really well off the boot. that it was coming back as quickly as it was getting up there. So, um, yeah, I'd give him a five and a half out of 10. James Warpool. 30 disposal, 13-17, one mark, one tackle, did not score, um, 60% disposal efficiency, 15 contested possessions, 11 turnovers, one intercept possession, one goal assist, five score involvements. Um, he had three, three, seven, six metres gained, he had 21 pressure acts. He had uh, four set of clearances, seven stoppage clearances. He had uh, four inside 50s, two rebound 50s, 22 center bounce attendances. Weezy. Yeah, so uh, it's a bit of uh, a scale situation for him when you talk about those 11 uh, turnovers. That's I wild. I didn't realize there was 11 turnovers. Uh, and maybe included in that because obviously there's overlapping. There's about eight clangers in there as well. However... He also had 11 clearances. Connor Nash was second on the day with eight before you then get to, I think, Petrarca with seven. Um, and uh, the next Demon's Best was was further back behind that. So, you know, he's had a significant impact in the middle. Uh, as we talked about, we obviously dominated through the middle. Um and, you know, there are a number of the, the fend-offs and, and bursts out of the middle that's become his trademark that were magnificent. I thought he had a solid day out. Obviously, we, we would like him to use the ball a bit better, um, but I think he was one of our better players on the day, and I gave him a 7 out of 10. There's one passage of play at one stage where he worked, at just he, he was, his clearance work was brilliant. And then just handball just went straight to where it was not supposed to go. And I'll turn to the person I was with. That's James Warfel in a nutshell. That's him. Worked so hard to get the ball and then uh, coughed it up straight away. So, Yeah, but so the difference to previous seasons is that um, often often in previous seasons, that's him having a 20 possession game and doing it the same amount as he's done it today. But, you know, this season he's having 30 possession games every single week. So they're a bit more forgivable because you're getting so much more on the other side. Number six for Hawthorne is the captain, James Sicily, 23 disposals, 12 and 11, seven marks, one tackle, a T7% defensive half. Um, 
83% disposal efficiency, eight contested possessions, four turnovers, eight intercept possessions, five score involvements, one of his seven marks was contested, 163 metres gained, 17 pressure acts, um, two inside 50s, four rebound 50s. Uh, four centre bounce attempts. It was interesting. The third quarter, like the Richmond game last year, was yet to sort of, you know, a bit eye popping to see him line up in, in the centre. Love to know the thinking behind why they decided. I mean, I think Mitchell might have said something. They just want to try a few different things. I thought it was interesting. Yeah, there are, there are other options there, but I think it was also to try. And I mean, Melksham was arguably on top of him, so maybe they tried to try a bit different. As well in that respect, Mel, uh, Melksham played pretty well in the first. I think he won four or three. He had one four at one stage. Was dominating, and he was Sicily's man. So hopefully, it's not a game the Australian all Australian selectors who still have to meet one more time paid a lot of attention to. But uh, despite all that, and really interesting day for him. He still won Hawthorne's best, Danny. Yeah, I, I think the move into the middle was clearly to free him up from um, the defensive forward work that Malcolm was putting into. Malcolm actually had a fantastic game, if you consider. He limited the influence and curbed the ability of Sicily to go up and be the third man up in contests and intercept Mark like he normally does. Um, that was kind of non-existent today. Uh, and then Malcolm also could have had a day out if he kicked straight because it's 3-4 and, um, yeah, I think he was he he was doing a real job on Sicily early. Mitchell wanted to free Sicily up, um, getting him into the midfield. You know, not a bad idea to get him sort of away from that tag. Um, and yeah, it, it 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 was a different look. And I guess it doesn't matter second last round of the year when you when you're tanking and all of that sort of thing. So um, it was a it was an okay game from. James, I, I didn't actually think he was in our best, to be perfectly honest. Um, there's probably half a dozen guys I thought that were better than Sicily today. Um, yeah, I, I would have given him maybe a five and a half out of 10. Um, I, yeah, 160, 163 meters gain for, for Sis is very small. He averages something like 400. Um, so, um, not that the meters gained is a, is an everything stat, but it, it's indicative of where he's getting it and how he's using it because he does like to go long. And when he does go long, um, he generally uses it well and hits a target. Uh, th this wasn't one of those games. So five and a half out of 10 for sis. This player deserves a bit of discussion because it was, uh, a, a, f a fascinating day at the footy for him. His name is Ned Reeves. He had 13 disposals, five and eight, four marks. 93% um, defensive half for the big noodle. Uh, five contested possessions. He had uh, one turnover, six intercept possessions, two score involvements. Um, all these marks, at least four marks, all uncontested. Um, three clearances, one centre clearance, 26 hitouts. Two inside fifties, three rebound fifties, uh, twenty-two centre bound sentences, fifty-five ruck contests. He was up against Max Gorn, who um, I think Melbourne um, did a deal with the AFL to say make sure Max Gorn plays his two hundredth game against Hawthorne because he regularly feasts on Hawthorne. Um, but the big noodle, he's had a really good four to six weeks. He's back at the form he was showing in the first part of last season before he did his shoulder. And that incredible game he's playing against Geelong before he did his shoulder. Um, and 
Really interesting battle. Gorn probably, like a few of the Melbourne players, got on top towards the other Gorn's last quarter. Terrific. I mean, some of those Melbourne players had to, senior players had to lift in last quarter to get the team over the line. Petrarca and all of that were the others as well, who after being down for three quarters lifted. But a good game by Big Noodle Weezy. It was with that um Max Gorn comment you mentioned. I mean, we tried, we did everything we can on plenty of occasions just to bomb it long as far as we we could, and often to groups of Melbourne players. Traditionally, that's been Max Gorn, wasn't today. Um, I I had a look at not just hitouts, but hitouts to advantage, hitout win percentage, and um, Reeves comfortably beat Gorn in those areas. And then we talk about, you mentioned the, the marks. So he took four intercept marks. I think a few of them deep in defensive 50. There was one attempted mark that he dropped that led directly to a goal that he should have hung onto. And that was frustrating, but he got around the ground. He had an impact. His ruck work was magnificent. And yeah, we took, I, I mentioned earlier, my thoughts on the midfield and how good that was today. He's a huge part of that in his last few weeks. You know, I was, I'm one of the, I'll put my hands up to say, you know, six, seven weeks ago, I was saying Meek just has to play. Meek just has to play full games, rucking. And now credit to Ned Reeves. For me, that's completely flipped around. There's no doubt in my mind that he's the starting ruck. He's the guy and he's the reason our midfields or one of the reasons our midfield's starting to dominate so much is because he's giving them first use of the ball. If you can do a bit more like you did today around the ground, then Ash, you'll uh, once again be saying, oh, he's going to be a top five ruckman in the competition. Yeah, I've, so, I've, I've walked that back a bit, but he was good today. So um, He was good. I gave him a 7.5 out of 10. I thought he was excellent. Carl Amon started like a house on fire. 10 touches in the first quarter, ended up with 27. 24 kicks, 3 handballs, 14 marks, 1 tackle, uh, 96% defensive half, 4 contested possessions. He had 6 turnovers, 2 intercept possessions, 4 score involvements. Uh, all marks uncontested, 602 metres gained, two stoppage clearances. Um, he had set, uh, one inside 57 rebound 50s, um, four kick-ins. Played well, Carl Amon. Um, as I said, he was everywhere early, probably faded a little bit like a lot of the team did, but I'm not sure he has too many defensive attributes, but I don't think that's what they want out of him. I think they want to get in the ball and get him to uh, make things happen, Danny. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, since a uh, friend of the show, uh, Morgan uh, came on, Mackenzie Morgan came on and um, we had a conversation <laughs> on Twitter spaces. Actually, Carl Amon's been in the form of his season since since that date. So yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, Carl took that personally. Um, but no, he has been very, very good in the last um, last few weeks. I'd say maybe six weeks, four to six weeks. Um, I, I, I thought maybe today he didn't use it as smartly as he has in the past. He missed... He missed one target that stands out. I can't remember the exact play, but I remember thinking, how's he missed that? He had two two men inside 
uh, and he came inside and he missed them. And and he doesn't normally do that when he when he takes on the the risky kick. He normally hits it. He's just a beautiful user by foot. So um, we don't have a lot of long beautiful kicks of the footy. So Carl, it's is really important from that perspective. Um, I thought he was pretty good today, actually. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll give him a, a seven out of ten. Um, but you. Yeah, you you want to get the ball in his hands in more dangerous positions. I think a little too often he was getting it like 25, 30 meters out from our defensive goal when we want to be getting him the ball where he can kick it to about 25, 30 meters out from our offensive goal. So that's the only thing, the only small criticism I have. If you look at his heat map, it really is. I mean, it's just all inside yeah 96 percent, hey in yeah. the defensive half like yeah. that's not where we want him to have it no we need to uh, do a bit more forward of the ball Connor nash had 25 disposals 11 14 four marks four tackles um he had 15 contested possessions he had five turnovers two intercept possessions two score involvements uh four marks 284 meters gained he had uh Eight clearances, of which five were centre, three were stoppage, four tackles, uh, 17 centre bounce attendances. He worked hard today, Connor Nash, where he looked pretty stuffed in the game. He's going to get to his, his – he'll get there because he's a athletic beast. But come 6 o'clock next Saturday night, he will need a, as we used to say, a Bex and a good lie down because he has given his all for the footy club this year. He will definitely – Definitely enjoy the rest. I actually thought he did really, really well today. He had, um, what did he have? Eight clearances, which was the second most on the ground. He had five center clearances, which was the most on the ground. Um, actually, Ethan at one point turned to me and he said, you know who keeps getting it out of the middle for us? Connor Nash. Like he, um, he was just in there doing the grunt work. He also went at 80, you know, he had 25 touches. He went at 84% disposal efficiency, which for players getting 20, 20 plus puts him in the top couple as well. So um, it was a pretty good day for him. Um, and yeah, he's, you know, a Prinzi actually, you know, we were talking uh, in our WhatsApp group about long and, um, Hust weight and the unbelievable midfield component and uh, talking about like for likes um, at the other end, uh, it's just amazing seeing, you know, straight away one of the things he said, Prinzi, was, well, for any of those kids to come in, they're going to have to replace someone and like just the notion that Connor Nash is one of the biggest locks in this midfield is just still mind-blowing. He yeah, I th- he hasn't missed a game this year, has he, Nash? Nah, and I and I think I think you just need to listen to all of his teammates that just like rave about the way that he plays. The co- couple of conversations we've had with Will Day, he's mentioned it, you know, and he's been really poignant in mentioning it. Like it, it's not been a throwaway comment. He's been really wanting to nail that down, I, and I think that's really important. Like, um, when you're a midfield unit, you rely on the other people in that midfield unit, and I think. Connor Nash gives the other midfielders at Hawthorne the confidence that they can go and play their role because they know that he plays his role really consistently. And that's a massive thing. So um, yeah, big ups for Connor Nash. I think his year has been phenomenal. 
and a seven out of ten for me is his rating. Friend of ours, Hugh Hawks Insiders, is Will Day. Hopefully, we'll be getting him on the next couple of weeks. That is the plan to help us wrap up the season. So keep an listen out for that. He had twenty disposals, eleven and nine, um, nine marks, a tackle, and a goal. The first one of the game. He had 95% disposal efficiency, seven contested possessions, one turnover, five intercept possessions, six score involvements, nine marks, one of which was contested. He had 185 metres gained, two clearances, one of those was a centre clearance. Um, he had uh, 19 centre bounce attendances, finished the game off the ground, the line from the coach. Um, Danny was that he was just cramping. The game was lost. Um, no point bringing him back on the ground. He's got a little red cross next to him on the AFL app for injured, but uh, reasonable optimism that he will back up in six days for the final game of the season. What did you make of his game? Well, I think that the Hawks felt that if they kept him on, they might have won. And considering they're engaging in a form of tanking this year, that wouldn't have been um, along the narrative that uh, that's that's being written. No, um, look, very interestingly, we were up and about in the first half as a team, the way we were playing. He had eight touches to halftime. He had 12 touches in the third quarter. 12 touches and I think seven marks in the third quarter. And I know people get upset when Mitchell pushes him behind the ball because, you know, we were down Newcomb and uh, we want one of our better users when at 95% by disposal, uh, we want one of our better users in the midfield, but goodness me, he was, he was um, important in stemming the tide or, or just being the, the damn wall that wouldn't break in that third quarter. Cause Melbourne had so much of the football and so many inside 50 entries and it felt like with Sicily not doing the intercept marking that he normally does, it was up to Will Day to go and do it. And he controlled that back line beautifully. I think he's just an incredible player. Um, you know, had 20, 20 possessions in three quarters of football. Um, and yeah, it was really impressive. I give him a seven out of 10. Dylan Moore, 18 disposals, 12 and six, five marks, two tackles, one goal, two. Um, he went at 56% disposal efficiency, seven contested possessions, Three turnovers, um, at seven contested possessions, four intercept possessions, uh, one goal assist, five score involvements, 375 metres gained, one clearance, as I said. Um, he did not attend a centre bounce. It was a bit the old Dylan Moore from 2021, sort of just playing sort of what I thought he played more sort of forward of the ball a couple of times, a, a brilliant piece of. Dylan Moore crumbing that uh, had a shot for goal that uh, the ball bounced the wrong way, but it was a brilliant piece of work to get in the first place. But a couple of ordinary turnovers at the, in the first quarter, he took a while to get his bearings right. Um, thought he soldiered on and battled pretty hard. Wheezy. Yeah, I mean, I think it was a fair game without being exceptional, but I've saved this uh, this story for right now. You guys haven't even heard it, but... um. Obviously, we know he kicked that beautiful snap 15 or 16 seconds into the final quarter. He he kicked that goal and we're all up and about and I'm sitting on level three. I'm uh, on, on the top level of the Shane Warne stand, three rows from the front, front dead bang on centre. 
level four. Uh, level four, right on the center. Um, kicks the goal and two rows behind. Just booms out. Dylan Moore loves a goal. And I turn <laughs> around and I look at him and he smiles and he said, I thought you'd like that. So I don't That's know. fantastic. I don't know if he'd heard <laughs> my voice. Or, well, <laughs> I, I just think it's a great sign that as a group, we're really infiltrating amongst the Hawthorne community. Um, so yeah, that was that was a special moment. But uh, I mean, outside of that goal, uh, he didn't really have much to contribute overall on the day. Um, I gave him a five and a half out of 10. Jack Scrimshaw, number 14 for the Hawks, 20 disposals, 10 and 10, five marks, two tackles, um, 85% disp- defensive half, was thrown forward in the last quarter. They uh, bought, they took um, Rams and off, put um, Scrimshaw forward and moved Sarong to the back line. He went at 80% disposal efficiency, five contested possessions, five turnovers, th- uh, four intercept possessions, three score involvements, all these marks. Uncontested, 277 metres gained. Um, one inside, 54 rebound 50. I don't think, you know, Scrimmage had a good few weeks. I don't think it was one of his better weeks. It was an awful uh, moment in the last quarter when he got the ball and kicked it, uh, had time to do something and, and spot up a forward close to the goal, but kicked it straight to three Melbourne players who could raffle it. Um, he'd like to have that moment again. He, <laughs> You know, things aren't going great for the Hawks when they're thrown forward. You know, it's a bit of an act of desperation, I think. Um, what did you think of his game, Danny? Yeah, I thought his first quarter was fantastic. I think he had, t- he had 10 to quarter time. And then kind of after that, that it went downhill a little bit for, for Scrimmer. Um, yeah, half his disposal in the first quarter. Yeah, which, you know, it's not ideal. It's a great first quarter, but it's not ideal for the rest of the game. Um, the issue with Scrimshaw going forward, it, I think it was a two, two-pronged two thing, you know, maybe out of ideas, but also when you have a young bloke like Sarong as your sub and he's been used to playing in one position for Box Hill, you're kind of limited with what you can do with him when you engage that sub. And so I think we kind of hamstrung ourselves a little bit because I still feel like Scrimshaw provides a lot of value, even if he's not getting a lot of the ball when he's in that defensive setup. And we've seen it in the last few weeks. He's been a really important part of that overall back six, Um, a calm head, a good ball user, um, an intercept marker when he needs to be um, playing taller or smaller than he needs to at times. Um, so to be able to have to shift him out of there to get a sub on, I thought was not ideal. Um, it is what it is. And you play the cards you, you dealt or the cards you do yourself, I guess. Um, but yeah, it was just a, it was a, it was okay game for, for Jack five and a half out of 10. Um, but yeah, I'd, just like to see him in that back six and just stay in that back six. Cause I just think he's maybe I overrate him, but I think he's a far more important player than maybe what the coaching staff think. Got a bit of work to do. I think, um, I think there's a bit, he needs to show a few things. Well, I think, I think that might be the issue, Ash. Yeah. Is that there's a bit of work to do, but maybe he doesn't necessarily love to do the work. Yeah. I'd be fascinated to see whether he's, he's no certainty he'll be on the list next year. Um, then it might be if they, if they want to get active around trade, 
I want to get more picks in, I would say he'd be one of the prime candidates um, to be one of those players. Shane, he's a Hawthorne Nuffy, grew up a big Hawthorne supporter. But I'm not, yeah, I wouldn't put money on him being at the club next trade year. Him, maybe trade him to the Gold Coast for pick four. <laughs> That's a joke, clearly. Uh, yeah, but speaking of Gold Coast, to digress for one second, a magnificent bit of Twitter action today. For, uh, I think it was yesterday from our colleague Simon Morowitz about Jack Bowes. Um, and he dragged, Morrow dragged out the piece of uh, explaining why Bowes joined Geelong because he didn't want to be part of a rebuild having been at Gold Coast for six years. So, which Morrow took that grab and tweeted it simply with the line, enjoyed the rebuild, Jack. Luckily, <laughs> luckily, Ash, Chris Scott has come out and said they're not rebuilding. Right. And we know how well that works as Hawthorne supporters. So all power to you guys, Geelong. Just keep getting older and keep going for premierships. It'll work out beautifully. Well, Geelong, uh, digress for one more second. Geelong Big Footy was, uh, which I was put on to one of you guys, someone suggested on a message board actually that uh, Geelong Big Footy was interesting reading. And so I took about half an hour uh this morning, had some time to kill before I went to the footy to have a John Big Footy. Not quite as interesting as Bulldogs Twitter at about, uh, which I was enjoying on the train home from um, the MCG. <laughs> uh, but that's for our friends at Bulldogs Insiders. Like, speaking of Bulldogs, they have a player called Cody Waitman who can't get a kick on this guy. His name's Blake Hardwick. And today, the same could be said of Cozzy Pickett. Phenomenal um, segue. Yeah, Phenomenal segue. Hardwick, 22 disposals, 15 and 7, 8 marks, 4 tackles, um, 77% disposal efficiency, 3 contested possessions, 3 turnovers, 4 intercept possessions, 3 score involvements, uh, all 8 marks uncontested, 359 metres gained, 4 tackles, uh, 3 one percenters. Um, we say it most weeks. We can't think of the descriptors anymore. Ate him for lunch, had him in his back pocket destroyed, munch, whatever you want to say, but it was Cozzy Pickett's turn, I think, today to uh, feel the wrath of Blake Hardwick. I, I feel like it would almost be on brand to just give him a rating and move on. <laughs> like, what, Pickett had five touches. Don't, to... don't, don't just do that. No, I won't, I won't. He had five <laughs> touches. He had um, two marks, two tackles. Um, so one of those tats, one of those touches was that run-down tackle, not Hardwick's faults. Um, it's really interesting. I was at an uh, I was at a meeting with someone, um, North Melbourne supporter, who absolutely hates us, and said, "Right, and maybe this is something we can do for one of the spaces." He said, "Pick your starting five players to build your list from, from both clubs." go like combined go and you know it, it didn't matter who i said like they were they were poo-pooed but actually when you talk about the importance of role players you know i mentioned blake hardwick and and the two guys in the room just simply laughed like people don't understand just how good he is and just how important he is and he's still in that age profile. And um, 
yeah, he's sensational. He got a nine out of 10 for me today. He was just absolutely unbelievable. 22 for Hawthorne. Danny, Luke Bruce, 11 disposals, all kicks, four marks, zero tackles, two goals, two, um, seven contested possessions, uh, two turnovers, one intercept possession, one goal assist, seven score involvements, um, one contested mark, 309 metres gained. Um, what do you think was going? Um, I don't know what I thought of his game. To be honest, it was it was one of those one of those games where you you know, has Luke Bruce done much? And then you look at it like, oh, he's kicked a couple of goals. Um, but it's kind of what we sort of half expected at the start of the season about Luke Bruce this year that he's not going to be the guy that you know gets you know high teens and um, low twenties possessions and kicks three to four goals every week. But eleven disposals and two goals too. That could be three one or four for straight um, on another week. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a pretty good outing for a guy who's 32 years old coming towards the twilight of his, or is in the twilight of his career. Um, but yeah, he, he was, he was, he was decent. He was decent. I give him a, a six out of 10. Um, but yeah, like what, what, are, I guess the question is when the forward line's so deprived of entries in the second half, like ours was and quality entries as well, a small forward's really going to struggle. So getting four shots on goal is a pretty good effort. Um, the left-footed snap I thought was going in and it drifted to the left, uh, which was a shame. But um, yeah, he just, he's so clever, isn't he? Like as soon as he hits the pack, he gets onto the right foot snap and you're like, yeah, chalk that one down in the footy record, Ash. Um, but yeah, good, good, good player, solid game. Great player, solid game. Phenomenal. He kicked. He kicked. Mark kicked the goals in one action. Mark snapped, uh, Mark threw on the boot and gold in one. Normally he likes to think about it, do bits and pieces, but this was in one action. He's, he's still got some tricks at this stage of his career. It's quite a, a remarkable footballer, really. And we're going to have a lot of fun, a lot of heated discussion with supporters of other clubs down the track when it comes to his Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame uh, status. I know we've discussed There's a lot no already. debate. There's no debate. There's oh, no debate. The well, figures, the figures talk speak for themselves. It should be, but uh, these things are never a given. Too much Geelong big footy. If that's an yeah. that's creeping in, Ash. This guy won't make the Hall of Fame. He might make the uh, <laughs> Hall of Fame of the footy team he's from. His name is Jacob Kaczynski. Twelve disposals, eight and four, four marks, four tackles. 83% disposal efficiency, four contested possessions, um, seven, so four turnovers, one intercept possession, one goal assist, three score involvements. Um, he took four marks, all uncontested, two of them inside 50, 92 metres gained, three hit outs, four tackles, two centre bounce attendances, seven ruck contests. Uh, your man, Weezy. Yeah, look, um, I, I, I don't want to, like, it's not about slamming players or anything like that. People know generally my opinion on, on Cozzy, and I'm more than happy to put up my hand and talk about when he has good moments or good games and, you know, even the St Kilda game that we won earlier in the year. It wasn't a brilliant game, but he had key moments that were really, really important. The issue is 
those moments and the gains are so few and far between that I still have significant doubts as to whether or not he's going to make it. Granted, Mitch Lewis wasn't playing. Granted, May was his opponent. Lever was taking intercept marks at will. But what I what I won't what I won't have like I'm some big you know what I what I don't like is there were so many moments where he didn't chase the ball coming out of the back line or he was you know comprehensively they were running the ball out and he just looked um like he looked done having competed in a marking contest and we really need that pressure keeping the ball up forward so I thought it was a very average game from him. Um, in fact, a below average game from him. So I'll, I'll give him a four and a half out of 10. What do he's you guys not, think? He's not a number one forward. Um, that discussion's over. It could work with Lewis in tandem with Lewis when Lewis is the, the main guy. But yeah, but- again, with Lewis out of there was no chance winning today without Lewis playing. So I don't think that Ryan is necessarily the long term answer, but I've seen enough in the last five weeks from Ryan and DGB, who obviously we'll get to shortly, in recent times to suggest they've given more there and have more potential as part of that two or three pronged spearhead attack with Mitch Lewis than Cozzy will. That's just my opinion. Um just watching the soccer England almost scored about 10 seconds ago. Um Denver Grudgebrass, this will be a fascinating conversation as well. Um had eight disposals, five and three, seven marks, kicked the goal, 88% disposal efficiency, four contested possessions. He had two turnovers, no intercept possessions, 100% uh, 100 scoring accuracy, four score involvements, one pressure act, 220 metres gained. He um, had three inside 50s. He played, with his heat map, he played primarily in the forward line. He he was played as a forward. Um, It was the sort of game that makes you think there is something to work with. Some are saying it's a, one of the best games he's played for the club. Um, I mean, that's a low bar, though, right? Like, well, his, his best game for the club still his first game. Yeah, the one against GWS. Yeah. yeah, that's still his best game. But I thought he was, to me, he showed enough today that he's got a year left on the contract. I wouldn't be looking to trade him. I think it's all a bit moot now with uh, results happening at. Yeah, there's no need to trade now because they're not being the conversation for the number one pick anymore. I mean, you know, that's sort of been done now with the West Coast. They're going to have to pick two. So you work with what you've got. And I, as I said, I just saw glimpses today of someone who he needs to get fitter. He needs to get stronger. He needs some serious tutoring from whoever the Ford coach is next year. It might not be Chris Newman because he might be the coach of Richmond. But I just saw something today that made me think I want to see him at Hawthorne and I want to see him thrive at Hawthorne. Yeah, and I'll tell you what that is that you saw. It's the intensity and the aggression at the footy and at the opposition. I think I think what Weesey just talked about that Cozzy doesn't provide, you can't fault DGB. 
he may not be the he like he had eight touches. He didn't touch it in the last quarter. Um, he had two touches after half time, but there were glimpses in that first half. The way he hit up at the footy, the way he attacked the contest, the way that he attacked the man with the ball when the ball hit the deck. That's the sort of thing you want to see. You want to see that your attitude's right when it's there, that you, you know, you got a little bit of that white line fever. And I don't know, I saw enough today to go as a second or a third tall forward, there's something there to work with. Um, if Mitch Lewis is playing and keeping Stephen May occupied, you know, then maybe, maybe Lever has second thoughts about, you know, maybe he has to go and help May out and that gets DJB a few more easy touches. I just thought there was something there. He's a, he's a lovely kick at goal. I'll say that straight yeah, off the bat. He really clean kick at goal. I just think he needs some time settled in a position and some confidence in his from from his coaches that he can go and do a job and that's what they want him to do. Um, so if they've decided now that he's a forward and this is going to be a long-term thing, let's let's commit to it. Let's have a really big preseason. Like you said, Ash, he's not fit enough yet. He needs to get fitter. He needs to get a bit stronger across the chest, fill out a little bit so he can do the wrestling as well. But he's got very good hands and he attacks the contest well. So, um, yeah, I I thought he was pretty good. I give him a five and a half out of ten. Pretty that's just over half pass. But that's um I think the fact that he only had eight touches not necessarily his fault so much. And I love the fact that he had seven marks. Two of them were contested. Um, 25 Hawthorne is Josh Ward. Eight, only eight touches today, three marks, two tackles. Um, he had three contested possessions, two turnovers, three intercept possessions, one goal assist, two score involvements. Um, 161 meters gained. He played primarily looking at his heat map, uh, primarily on the wing. Actually, saw on the MCC flank at one stage. He's gone, he went, he got lost. He was. Pretty close to us on the uh, member side of the ground, but I think that soon the runner soon went out to him and said, "Get back to where you belong, in front of you, we see in the Great Southern Stand, outside the Shane Warne Stand." Eight position. What I'm not clear on is whether he was doing a job on uh, Langdon, who seemed to be on that side of the ground mainly as well, or whether he just had a quiet day. I feel like he just had a quiet day. I mean, Langdon touched at 18 times and and he wasn't specifically I didn't see him specifically set as a tagger he, he's the thing uh, I feel like this is his monopoly get out of jail free card traded in doesn't necessarily need to be rated uh, though I will I, it's interesting one of the guys I was with at the footy today I, I feel like we've had this conversation before so it's a bit of rinse and repeat said oh he's just you know he already he's just I don't know not going to be the same as you know Day and not going to be the same as Mackenzie and just doesn't see it and I come back to your conversations Ash when you you know when we're talking about these kids throughout the year and you go well he's the Jordan Lewis or you know, not everyone's a Luke Hodge, not everyone's a Sam Mitchell. You need all of the different types. And my response to him was, it actually doesn't matter who's better than who. The reality is 
he's going to be part of that core midfield group that's winning us flags. And I think as well before today in 14 matches this season, 10 times he'd had over 20 touches. So he's had a pretty good season for where he's at in his development. He just had an off day. Brad wants to to drop him already. Uh, I mean, that's just absolutely ridiculous. Um, (laughs) Do you know what? Just oh, that was me. Give, that was me giving Brad. I could see. That was me giving Brad the bird. Oh come on! The early, the early over the top crow has to stop. You're not dropping Josh Ward after one down week. He's <laughs> he's a foundational piece of the future. We have got one week to go in the season. Why would you drop him? Like right so, the button. I was going to give him a three out of ten, but you know, just for Brad, I think oh, he gets no. a six and a half now. <laughs> no, he gets a three. Is that one for each touch? <laughs> Ned Long, 12 disposals, 5 and 7. Love you, Brad, by the way. A tackle. Um, He had, uh, what is it? He had four contested possessions, one turnover, two intercept possessions. He had two uncontested marks, 93 metres gained, um, one inside 52, rebound 50. Um, Not sure I see it yet with Ned Long. I think he's... He's reasonable at a lot of things, not elite at anything yet. And I think to be at the level in the AFL, you need to be elite, elite at at least one thing. I don't see it with him yet, but he's played like three or four games in total. So maybe we need to give him more time, Danny. Yeah, I think the biggest issue, and and this goes back to um, what Weesey brought up earlier when we were talking about Connor Nash, is that we have the James Warples and the Connor Nashes who are our workhorses and Ned Long shapes to be a workhorse type midfielder. He does a really, really good job at VFL level. Likewise with uh, Cooper Stevens, who hasn't had a game this year, um, you know, at AFL level either. And and Long has barely tasted it as well. The, the issue I have is how how much more development does he have in him? And like you said, Ash, and we've said this in our WhatsApp group, without those elite AFL attributes, what's his ceiling? And can he push out somebody like Warple or somebody like Nash? I don't necessarily see it. I think he's a, a, a very solid, good footballer. I just, I'm unsure how he makes us better, I guess, is 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 where I land with it. I think he's a good um, player to have around as depth, but you know, I don't see how he takes us to the next level. If we've got um, Cam McKenzie, if we've got, um, you know, Connor McDonald, who's going to come through, eventually become a midfielder, you know, and then the other guys that we've that we've previously spoken about, plus Warple and Newcomb, uh, Newcomb and Day, where does he get his game time is my biggest question. So my question to you, Prinzi, would be, I mean, the kid 20 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, so have you seen enough in the next two years that warrants, uh, I mean, depth wins flags. So you say, yeah, you know, he's great depth. Mm-hmm. What happens in two, three, four years time when a Warpole might not be there in a couple of years, he's only signed a two year contract when a Nash is injured, when a, whoever it is that, he still, for me, has the attributes to go, well, what's the harm actually keeping him on the list for a couple of years and letting him continue to, de- to develop? Because 
it might become more evident where his starting spot is, let alone that depth that we're talking about. He's just 20 years old. Yeah, look, and let, let's, let me be really, really clear. I'm not advocating for moving him on. I'm happy to keep Ned Long on our list. But there'll be a, a tipping point, I guess, where Ned Long will want to play games of AFL football. And I, I, unless there's injuries, I can't see him playing a lot of them each year at Hawthorne in the next few years. Like you said, we see if he's if he's on the list for another four years and the development's there and he gets a really good grounding at Box Hill and you know gets enough games to keep him hungry to stay at Hawthorne, then absolutely I could see him taking over from James Warple. I just don't know if between 20 and 24, you want to be playing 90% of your games in the VFL, getting a taste, getting a taste, getting a taste, and whether that does enough to bring you to the next level. But um, as a depth piece, he's exactly who you want to have on the list in that sort of 30 to 40 range right now um, because he's very productive for Box Hill and he's 20 years old and he's a rookie. So, you know, from that perspective, he's very good. Um, and he can play multiple roles because he's 194 centimetres. Like, he's a big guy. Um, and, you know, we'll talk about Husswaite later, and then you look at Connor Nash. We've got some huge midfielders. Will Day's 192. You know, so this midfield's not a small midfield. Um, but, yeah, without that real one wood, that real something to lean on for Ned Long, um, it's going to be tricky for him to break into the Hawthorne midfield. That's all I'll say. But absolutely recontract him. Uh, five out of 10. Sorry, I didn't rate it. Josh Sarong had in the quarter football, six disposals, five kicks, one handball, one mark, three tackles. He came on as a sub, as we said, in the last quarter as a tactical sub. He had, um, yeah, one contested, five uncontested possessions. Not a whole lot else to say. We see, do you want to give him a ranking? You want, anything you want to say about him before we move on? No, I mean, I think he did really well. It's It's unfortunate that uh, you know, Prinzi mentioned it before, A, that he's playing the sub. And when you do bring him on, he's conditioned to a role playing from Box Hill. So actually we saw Sis come into the middle a bit uh, in the third and then obviously Scrimshaw pushed up forward. So it was experimental. It makes you wonder what would have happened if we had an injury early, very early doors. Um, but yeah, I mean, what he did, he did well. So, you know, for not having too much time, he, he mopped up pretty well across the defensive line. So, yeah, I think it's stiff to give him a rating in 30 minutes of footy, Prinzi. Yeah, I just want to add, I think uh, it's great reward for effort for Jai Sarong. He started this season as a third tall forward and he was struggling. They moved him back. And about, he was sick. He was yeah, in. and he was really sick. And they moved him back about a third, I want to say a third, almost between a third and a, and half the year in. They moved him to, uh, to a basically a key defensive post or a third tall defender post. He's been very good at Box Hill since they moved him back. And I think he might have actually saved his AFL career. The difference I see, say, between a Ned Long and a Jai Sarong is I can see a role for Jai Sarong at AFL level. Um, and... Um, I can see one in the near future, especially if like what Ash mentioned is, um, you know, they look to get a little bit creative in the trade trade period and Jack Scrimshaw moves on and maybe they use CJ as a wingman instead of a, 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 a you know, defender. Then somebody like Jai Sarong, I think is very stable and a really 
good option to be able to grow into a third defensive um, key back role. So um, just want to give him his flowers because uh, he's he's really stepped up and earned his spot in the AFL team this this year. As, as you said, it was a rewardful for him. He, he, he deserved a game given his form. It's over the long, long term punk, well at Box Hill. They deserved, yeah, deserved to have a run today when they had a couple of outs. The next guy I thought was terrific today. Um, others had more of the ball, but I just thought he, he, I thought he was a presence and I thought he was dangerous. Um, his name's Colin McDonald. 19 disposals, 14 and 5, 8 marks, 4 tackles, 2 goals. Uh, pretty even between defensive and offensive, but he went at 90% disposal efficiency, had three contested possessions, four turnovers, one intercept possession, three score involvements. Um, all marks were uncontested, took three marks inside 50, 304 metres gained, um, four tackles. Uh, I thought he was really good today, Weezy. He's so good. <laughs> And I'm just so glad that you've given him to me because even though I said that comment about, you know, not having favourites and they're all part of Oh, he's absolutely your favourite. Who are you kidding? Oh, my God, I love him. You love him. He's actually one of my favourite players. He'd be my top five favourite players. The biggest question is how, I mean, he looks so good with the number nine on his back. Uh, (laughs) Stop trying to get um, CJ out of our club, mate. No, no, not out of the club, just a jumper swap. I, I just, you know, think about, at some point soon, he's no. going to have to progress miles up the ranks. I don't, I don't know that there's much available, but, you know, he's just, he adds such a point of difference. He's so polished. He's He's been working so hard from half forward to half back the last four or five weeks. And, you know, it'll be really interesting from a man management point of view. Prinzi, you talk about it a lot. When is he going to be unleashed in the midfield? How does he get a game there? Is it going to be in spurts? You know, he's like, he's that Will Day player in the middle where you've got the X factor and you can probably only have one of them at a time um, when you've got, Newcomb and you've got Warple or you've got Nash or depending on the role Finn's playing. So oh, I don't know. I mean, there's the, there no ceiling, but he was absolutely fantastic. He did miss. He did have that running shot and miss, which he sprayed. So out on the full, right? Or it didn't out, make it? Out on the full. And mm. I think he, he, he does one of those every week and you go, oh, well, he he could kick this and and absolutely um it goes off the side of the boot on the full but um he's just such a talent I gave him an eight out of ten I reckon and I don't want to jump in too much Ash but it's the high impact per possession that you you, you get with Connor McDonald at the moment he seems to when he's up and about just do something important with most of his touches. And I think that that's the, that's the exciting thing because he spent a little bit of time at Box Hill this, this year. And I watched one of his games. I think it might've been down in one thaggy um, that he played at Box Hill and he was unreal as a pure midfielder. And then it reminded me of his draft year when he was the captain of the Dandy Stingrays and he was averaging 30 touches a game in the, in the um, NAB league. So um, you know, I, I think he's a, he is actually a midfielder, 
Um, he just can't be in this team at the moment. So I, I think it's it's inevitable, to be honest, we see that he ends up transitioning to almost a full-time mid or a 75-25 mid to forward. Uh, and I think he'll be unreal when he does. And if the Hawks were tossing up between him and Tyler Sonzi at the draft, just Google Tyler Sonzi if you haven't already. It was a fair right hook, actually. It was an unbelievable right hook. He won't be playing footy for four. How many will he first, get? He'll get four to six weeks. Yeah, I reckon. Delayed start to 2024 for Richmond. And uh, I think and the best mates, I think the best mates, actually. But, uh, yeah, he absolutely flushed uh, this poor bloke from North Melbourne today. Um, anyway, that's for the Tigers insiders to lament and try and get him off the tribunal. Um Finn McGuinness, 13 disposals, 8 and 5, 3 marks, 1 tackle. Um, he went at 70% defensive half, 69% disposal efficiency, 5 contested possessions, 2 turnovers, 2 intercept possessions, 1 score involvement, uh, 3 contested mark, 149 metres gained. Um, the subject of a Classless remark, I would say, from Simon Goodman, who basically came Unprovoked out. dog attack, I think, are the words that you're well, looking for, Ash. Oh, I'll leave that for you to say. Wow. Um, saying basically Finn, McGinn, Finn McGinnis doesn't try to get the ball. I think he, in the end he got one less possession than the player he was tagging for a lot of the game. Um, he took Oliver the cleaners. Oliver didn't like quarter time, but pushing, shoving again, directed in McGinnis' direction. There'll be a few melee fines, I think, coming out of that one. Um, another scalp. Again, last quarter, he moved off Oliver. I think they wanted to do a couple of different things. Hawthorne, I think they moved him as a defensive forward or something like that in the last quarter. McGinnis or moved the back line, something like that. Um, Oliver got off the chain a bit in the last quarter, as did Gorn and Petrarca, as we said. But um, another good performance by the glove. Firstly, Simon, if you're listening... Don't go talking about about the game's best tagger like that. This man has just and, shut and down. Way, sorry to interrupt. Sam Mitchell handled beautifully when the remarks were more or less related to him in his press conference. And Mitchell, uh, he played good on a break. Yeah, absolutely. And I, look, I think that shows quality of person as much as it does from the coaches. You know, like that they are. I think what you how you described it is right. I probably wouldn't go as far as uh, Andrew Weiss. Um, but very classless, unprovoked and classless remarks. Like there's no need for that. You can give a man his flowers for the job that he's done. You can give him his credit. You can pay him his dues and you can still give ups to your superstar because Clayton Oliver is a superstar. Let's, let's make no bones about it. So for, for Finn McGuinness to be able to do a job on Oliver, when Oliver's starting in the middle, he's got opportunity to win possessions without Finn even being near him. Yeah, because McGuinness was starting on silent at the bounces. Yeah, so McGuinness was starting on a half-forward flank and then meeting Oliver in the middle. So, you know, for for McGuinness to do what he did and limit him to, I think he limited him to like nine or ten touches, to be honest, and a couple of them were cheap in one posi- one play on possession where he got two quick handballs just to, he thought, I just need to get a few of the ball. Three, we see saying, there you go. So, you know, He's really restrict, completely restricted him. Um, is a phenomenal effort. And I think you can just 
give credit where it's due if you saw a good win in that situation. And you're still allowed to say, but I loved the sacrificial role that Clayton Oliver did for our team and it's it's going to make our team better. And nobody bats an eyelid. But, you know, you, you've stirred the hornet's nest now. Um, but I, I, I kind of love that Finn McGuinness, this, you know, sculpted, beautiful man lives rent-free in so many people's heads. <laughs> and you're just like, how is this the guy that's getting under everybody's skin? Look at this man. Like when he finishes football, he's probably going to go into male modeling or something like that. And he is the guy that is like starting these malaise. He is the guy that people on Twitter are turning around and saying, this, this guy needs to be investigated. Nick Dacos is hurt. And then so-and-so is hurt. And so on. Like it's, yeah. I've got I a think... lot of time for Peter Dacos, who's one of the, you know, I've worked in this industry for a long time. And Dakes is one of the great people that I've met and worked a little bit with back in the day. Very disappointed in his remarks about blank uh, the other day as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, I think the whole thing, like what, I mean, you know, and I love, I love watching netball, but AFL footy is not netball. It's a contact sport, right? Like it's not obstruction goal attack. Like you put your head over the footy, you expect to get a, to get some, some contact and, and Finn plays the line, but he plays it very fairly. There's no untoward stuff in the way that Finn McGuinness goes about it, but people seem to not be able to handle it. I kind of love that. So um, I give you, I give him an eight out of 10 and I'm going to pave the way for Weesey to go on and, and give his opinion too. There's only one thing Simon Goodwin could do now that could absolutely take his shit ousery to the next level. And that would be uh, if he gives Clayton Oliver a coach's vote. Oh, we won't know now because they've gone in camera till, till oh. the, the awards night. So oh, that we, is a real. We'll shame. revisit. We'll revisit. We will revisit it. the coach's vote to this. I kind day. of feel like he will too. He feels like he'll double down, doesn't he? Ugh. Yeah, that's a good point. That'll we wait with interest. That'll be a couple of weeks away. That uh, that coach's award tonight. We'll wait to see. James Blank had uh, five disposals. It's not really about the disposals with him. It's more about the uh, his work away from the ball. I can't find the spoil stats here, but he, he probably had a few of them. Um, he was the main defender for the Hawks. He gave away a – did he give away a 50-meter penalty? He did. It was a bit stupid. He had five spoils, which was the most for us, same as Stephen May and Lever had six. So they were the three best on the ground. Um, he gave one 150-minute penalty, almost gave away another one because he, he, he tends to, if he's beaten in a contest sometimes, he just wants to, he finds a very, he just wants to go on and give, give a little something for, for the effort. Um, but he's becoming an important member of the side, was he? Yeah. I think it's absolutely less about the stat line and more about the structure. And it's undeniable that since he's been a permanent fixture in our back line, um, we've been better. We've been better for it, having him there. And I'll take you back to, um, to our crystal balling at the start of the season. I think, Ash, one of the questions actually was, who's one player that must play every single game. And my response was James Blank. Like he's going to be one of our key defensive stocks. He he makes the structure that much better. And he just, 
he just has to play. It frees up Sis as well. Um, yeah, uh, he spoiled really well. Uh, he didn't get beaten significantly. So, I mean, I was gave him Van Ruin for most of it. He was. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I gave him a six out of ten. I, I thought he tried really hard without being super outstanding. Um, but yeah, he's such an important player to that defensive structure. Number 37 is Josh Weddle, 16. Uh, despite being 10 and 6, he took 10 marks, one tackle, 82% defensive half, five contested possessions, 62% disposal efficiency, five turnovers, seven intercept possessions, four score involvements. Um, he had two contested, eight uncontested marks, 190 metres gained, um, four one percenters. Um, a couple of things I'll say about him. You all know that he's my boy. Uh, firstly, I'll say about Josh Riley, he ran the game out beautifully. He was the one, a few Hawthorne players were dead on their feet in the last quarter, but Weddle had a full tank. Number two, I've said it before, I'll say it again, the man is born for the MCG. Just belongs. It's his, it's, it, he lets, he plays his best football. Hawthorne, nine or 10 games, going to play the MCG. You lock it in, the Weddle's going to play well in respect every time they step on onto that football ground. Danny? Yeah, absolutely. And it's a shame we're playing on the MCG next week, Ash, because um, Brad's probably not going to get his wish of getting him a rest uh, before the season's out. Um, <laughs> thinking about. Um, no, just <laughs> only being serious. Um, but Weddle was, um, yeah, I thought he was. I thought he was really good early and and really good late. He had one touch in the third quarter, but like so did most of our team, um, except Will Day. Um, but yeah, he he. There was a few really good, nice intercept marking moments. There was, I think, there was a little bit of a snapshot of all of the little bits of his game that he has in different ways, um, you know, a bit of run and a bit of carry, a few intercept marks, some good one-on-one -on -one contests. Um, I think sometimes when he's on the smaller opponents, he's not as good with the ball at, on the ground as, you know, a guy of 180 centimetres. Um, so he got a cup, found out a couple of times getting, bending down to pick it up. I think he struggles a little bit. He's not as not as good there, but um, I mean, what a debut season for uh, a young key-ish defender um, coming out of the first round and, and not even our first pick in last year's draft for him to play, you know, sort of 16, it'll be, I think it'll be 17 games next week um, is a pretty phenomenal effort. Um, I give him a six and a half out of 10. Stand by because they've got to find, and I shouldn't say, cause that's my employer, but we, the tedium sometimes with trade radio, They'll revisit this trade and there'll be someone who'll mount the counter argument that Hawthorne gave up too much for him. But I don't think you'd find one Hawthorne supporter or one person who watches Hawthorne regularly who would say they overpaid for Josh Weddle. It was an inspired piece of recruiting. But especially because, correct me if I'm wrong, Prinzi, you're the guru, but the future pick that's part of it is potentially only going to have been swallowed up through the Will McCabe uh, through the Will McCabe drafting now. So, I mean, we would have had to do something with it depending where it fell. Like the fact that we've already done that adds to the genius that was the trade to get him into the football club. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, you never know with those future picks, how, how it all plays out. But I think when, and I've got it on good authority that, um, you know, Josh Weddle was at the, our 10th rated player in the draft. Um, so when you've got a player that you rate as number 10 in your order, and you can get him with pick 18, you spend what you need to, because it's those guys that get picked in the first round that you really build premierships on. Um, and you can see just by watching Josh Weddle play that this guy's ceiling is very, 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 very high. You know, Will Day has that ceiling. We're start, we're seeing that Jai Newcomb has that ceiling. I think Connor McDonald has that ceiling. And I think that Josh Weddle has that ceiling. There aren't many more on our list at the moment that have that ceiling. And if the Hawks want to go from being a really exciting young team to going to play finals, but then take that step to really challenge at the pointy end, they need more guys with that high, 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 high ceiling. Because if you look at our three-peat team now, obviously, you know, we're not all looking at that as a, as a yardstick, but, you know, Jared Ruffhead, Jordan Lewis, you know, Luke Hodge, Sam Mitchell, Sean Burgoyne, you can just keep going. The list goes on and on and on. And you need at least half a dozen, I reckon eight to 12 of those types of players. I think we've got four. So we need another four to come from somewhere. Number three for Hawthorne was Max Ramsden today. Eight disposals, four and four, three marks, a tackle, a behind. Um, he had uh, four contested possessions, two turnovers. He had uh, four score involvements, 135 metres gained in three quarters of football. He was subbed out at three-quarter time, five hit-outs. Um, he had 11 ruck contest, two centre bounce attendances. If he ran around like a clueless, headless chook against the Bulldogs in his first game, the progression today was quite remarkable and that's a tribute to the coaching staff because he looked like he had a reasonable clue and just looked like a guy who's got some potential who needs at least two more summers in the gym but you can see why they liked him and you can see from today they've got a bit to work with Boise. there's something very likable about different type of ruckman that he is to the guys that we've got on our list and how we've been praying for so long to have a, a David Hale type replacement of a forward that can ruck. And, and you feel like Reeves is going to need that for a chop out through his career. And I, I mean, you, you don't want to overhype it because he's still just a kid and ruck. Ruckman slash big forwards take so long to develop, but I totally agree, Ash. He just looked like he knew what he was doing. He rucked well. He contested really well. Um, and if not for the fact that just calling out the name Rama when he's going for a contest, I feel like that's already in the top echelons of fan nicknames to call out when someone's flying for flying for it. Um, yeah, it was a really, really good day for him, for him. So I gave him a six and a half out of 10. Finally, it is, um, the Hendleberry, Henry Husswaite, a really impressive debut given he, well, he probably knew, had an inkling before today, but, um, 
It was only a very late notice for him. Uh, 15 disposals, 5 and 10, 2 marks, 5 tackles, uh, kicked 2 goals. On debut, 80% disposal efficiency, 6 contested possessions, um, no turnovers, no inset possessions, 5 score involvements. He took 2 marks. One of them was contested. I think the contested mark was against Chris Petrarca, if I remember correctly. It was. Which was a source of great mirth. Uh, where I was sitting, um, 185 metres gained, 10 centre bounce attendances in his first game of football. Thank you very much. Um, two tackles inside 55 tackles altogether. Um, I was talking to someone before the game about, sorry, at halftime, I was talking to someone from the Hawks, and he said to me, You know, the thing about Husband, it was very polarizing. A lot of clubs didn't rate him at all. A lot of clubs loved him. Um, but on the basis of what we saw today, uh, the Hawks might have found a play. He looked really composed and he had time, wonderful use of hands in close a couple of times. And he all sorts of comparisons about, you know, you know players like Pendlebury. You know, players, he did show Pendlebury type traits today. Um, just you can you saw what they did today and you can dare to dream that this guy could be a seriously good footballer and a really important part of the team uh, in the next 12 to 18 months. Yeah, I mean, you can't ask for anything more than those stats in a debut game, can you, when you come in as a late change. I think that's a, a fantastic effort. And if we compare, and this is not to build one up and put one down, but if we compare Hustweight to Ned Long, Hustweight's elite AFL attribute is his hands in close. He has the best in tight hands in his draft class from last year of anybody in the stoppage. He's a fantastic stoppage specialist and his hands are elite. They are elite. His hand, Some of his handballs were bullet handballs out he of the seems, contest. Seems to have a lot of time too, Prinzi. Yeah, well, I mean, Ash doesn't dub him Handlebury for nothing, does he? So, um, you know, that ability to generate a little bit of space, to know how much space you have and how much time you have on the ball is one thing because you could you see players that can generate space, but then you a lot of players don't know how to use all of the time without using too much of the time, you know. So um, Husswaite stepped into AFL level and he'll probably have harder games games where he'll look a lot worse than he did today but he stepped into afl level and looked at home and you know what what else would you want out of a debut performance we said the same with seamus mitchell against gws in gather round he came in and he looked at home we say that if you can say that with your debutants throughout the year i think that's a fantastic thing because it means that they are they have the ability to play at that level now it's about what can we actually get out of Hustweight and what does that look like, you know, next week, next year, and and three years down the track. But I see him as another really big midfielder. I think he's like 194, 195 centimetres. He uses the ball really well by hand. We've said that. I think he's a fairly decent kick as well, um, field kick as well as uh, shot at goal. Um, you know, and, and if... If we can create these little matchup issues with having a lot of big midfielders, I think that's fantastic. You know, the one knock on Hathwaite is his speed. He doesn't cover the ground very well, but because we've moved on 
guys like Tom Mitchell, it's not as big an issue because we have a lot of really, really good runners to support him around him. Not that he can't run, he's just not fast. But um for a debut. But that doesn't matter would... if you're good if you're if you're efficient. Correct. And if you're a good user in the contest, that's yeah, fine. And that's what he is. He's efficient. So it won't Correct. matter that he's not uh, he's not a gazelle on the ground. But uh... Yeah, you just have to build the right players around those players so you don't have too many of the same types. But uh, as as far as debuts go, that's fantastic. That might even get him an, uh, a, a rising star nom, to be honest. No, I was going uh, to him. Who? Don't say that. I'm going to say Menzi from Essendon, but given that they went on the weekend. No, they're, they're, not, they're not getting anything except slapped. Um, I will give Hathaway a 7 out of 10. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, there you go. So that is the team. And uh, where's your quick word about the coach and the coaching performance? Yeah, I think, you know, we're at a point of the season where he's allowed to try different things. I still, uh, as eye-catching as you mentioned, Ash, as it is to see Sis in the middle I think, you know, it's no different to the conversations we were having at the start of the year about our forward line. Every time people talk about Sis, he's all Australian for a reason, down back. Keep him down back. Obviously, he'll be all Australian this year. Mm -hmm. So I didn't like that. But, uh, you know, uh, it's the sort of day to be able to try things. I think there'll be a bit more of it next week and... um, yeah, I think it was, um, you know, these are the sorts of games that if we're not losing by, you know, I was pretty sure before the game we get absolutely smashed. I was pretty sure at some point in the second half that the floodgates would totally open and they didn't. So it's a pretty good result and, yeah, happy enough with, with the magnet moving in general. What do you want to see next week? Do you want to see them experiment a bit more? Do you sort of look at it and say, well, the Collingwood Bulldogs games were the, we showed what we can do and that that's our body work for the season and we've got two weeks to experiment or do they just, nah, best team available, finish the season on a high. It's a game probably should win. I haven't looked at the odds. Sorry, Darren, but uh, of late, but last week, Hawthorne were already like a dollar forty favourite. So it's a game they're expected to win. What should the approach be for this week? Go out on a high? No doubt. Well, what will be interesting is I think Jager got subbed out uh, of their game today injured. So he no, might not be playing next week. But That's a shame. I love Jager. I, I, just more in terms no, you hate of... I, don't ha- I actually think he's had a reasonable year at free over. That's another discussion altogether. It's been okay, um, yeah. Oh, I think that where we're at, to be oh, able guess to guess who got injured today. Ryan Burton got injured for Port Sunday. Ryan Burton got subbed out and Jake got, got subbed out. Um, yeah, I, I just feel like what we want is to come out, play our best footy, and win convincingly and take that into the preseason with everyone knowing that we're coming. I think that will also help once we've won eight games with who we're targeting to try and bring to the club ready-made players. Um, so I, I I don't see why we'd be experimenting or gifting guys games or against a Frio, who is a team right now that at the MCG, we should without question be beating. Well, he's usually a bit melded in the MCG, so I don't think it's an absolute given. 
that Hawthorne will beat them. But uh, no, I'm with you. I'd like to see them play a strong team next week and go out on a high. Interesting that uh, the sort of three players who left Hawthorne all had home games, all came to the MCG to play Hawthorne in Hawthorne home games. Gunson stunk the joint out playing for Brisbane. Mitchell ended up going off sore and injured against Hawthorne, Tom Mitchell. So now it'll be Jager's turn if he even gets over the line on Saturday. Um, and I yeah, like, think he gets a really warm reception from Hawthorne supporters. He did. Yeah, he was a pretty good player for Hawthorne. It was, you know, an important leadership as well. But that's a discussion for later in the week. Um, that has been the Match Recap podcast on Hawks Insiders, available for download from all your favourite podcast providers. We never usually give that um, promotion, but we probably should. A couple of good articles coming up on the Substack. Prince, you've got another one that you've done about, already about the draft. Is that right? So... Yeah, just looking ahead, I mean, um, you know, probably needs to be tweaked now that uh, West Coast have <laughs> beat the Bulldogs, <laughs> and uh, which and actually, yeah, which actually has a bit of a ripple effect uh, in a positive way for us because we want the dogs to finish as low as they possibly can because uh, our second and third round picks are tied to their ladder position finish. Now pick twenty eight. Yeah, and if it could, if they could lose next week too, that's great because um, they they still have the ability to drop down a couple of more spots. Um, so it could end up being like only a, th- a difference of four or five picks from what it would have been at Hawthorns anyway. Yeah, correct, and and and, and, it, that would, and the draft flattens out after the top ten. That's right, and and it gets swallowed up, you know, by by a bid on uh, Will McCabe anyway. But um, my my sort of looking ahead crystal balling a little bit what what do the hawks need what are some of the draft options that will be available to us with our first pick and um and how might they actually fit into this hawthorne team so um yeah there's i mean there's some players that have had some big weeks in the last couple of weeks zane dersma Dersma kicked another four goals from 15 touches um nate caddy your mate Ash, uh, yeah. he kicked he kicked four goals, two from twenty disposals and eleven marks as a sort of midfielder come forward. So um, players are putting their hand up and 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 really um, showing that there's a lot of talent at the top end of this draft. And I think if we can get one of those guys, they're probably my two favourites at this stage. Well, it's down to, it's down to Watson or Dersman now. You would think, unless somehow North Melbourne gets the high compensation from Mackay, but. Or, or Colby McKercher. I wouldn't rule him out at all. I think um, he uh, is high, high, high quality. Yeah, another he's available. Field. Yep. Uh, see where he goes into the mix. So that's it. Um, we will talk to you again on the spaces, which I think we'll be back on Wednesday night. The Matildas are over, so I think we're back to Wednesday night. Not sure how frequent we will go through September. Um with the spaces we'll discuss internally. I suspect we'll probably have at least one uh, week off um, in September, but uh, to keep our powder dry, but there's always bits of peace happening. The, I'm told the CEO appointment is early September. Interviews just about completed. They're expecting an appointment there possibly the first week of September, week after the season. So we'll- How did your interview go, Ash? <laughs> no, not quite. Uh, not really. He, he was on the- he was no. doing the interviewing. <laughs> I was. Uh, you know, I'd be asking very probing questions. Don't you worry about that. Um, we'll talk to you again on the Spaces of Wednesday night. Thanks, as always, for your support of Fox Insiders. $5 a month, $50 a year for great 
Hawthorne content. Thank you, Danny. Thank you, Andrew. We'll talk to you again very shortly. Have a good one. Thanks so much for listening to Hawks Insiders. Head to our Substack for more quality analysis, special features, news, interviews, and so much more.